Hey, how's it going? This is Brandon with the Pot of Three EDH podcast. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It means the world to us. And I also want to let you know we are working to improve our audio quality, which we think we've definitely made some progress with this episode. However, we are recording via the internet, so not everything will be perfect, but we are definitely making progress. So thank you so much for bearing with us and continuing to listen. We also have some awesome new intro music, so we're about to start that off, and then after that, we'll get right into the episode. Here we go! To the Pod of Three EDH podcast. My name is Brandon. My name is Matt, and I'm Bert. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to episode two. We're talking about power levels today. But before we get into that, I just want to know kind of something that one of our favorite podcasts does. Uh, something that we thought we'd implement in a different way. Uh, has anybody played any like Commander games in person or uh, virtually this week at all? Well. I uh, actually played a very fun game over the... Actually, yesterday. No, today's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, today's Wednesday. Monday. Monday night, I actually got to play with uh, my Planeswalker deck that I was talking about last week. I kind of uh, tweaked it a little bit, redid the mana base, and changed the commander from Kenrith to uh, Essica, the the, the god of the tree, I think is what she's called or something. And oh man... That deck is so much fun. I got to turn five or turn six a uh, Karn and hold up counter spells without even casting anything else, and it was unbelievable. That sounds wild. <laughs> uh, what about you, Bert? I wasn't so lucky. Like I, I played my Ricky deck and my Nahib deck last night, and neither of them performed how i would have liked um but i mean this just gives us more time to this week to try and figure out something where we can take over the world <laughs> absolutely I, I definitely i remember i was in the game when you played recce and it was because one of our friends jose decided to just try and get rid of as much of bert's deck as possible and it was uh the companion guy too, right? Because we were milling and all that. Because it was was it Garuda. Oh yeah, it sure was. Yep, that uh. was. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting pretty over there, not getting attacked, which was nice. I'm still I'm still living for the day when someone plays a Garuda deck and then someone plays and then they have to play against somebody who has Void Winnower in it. I just want to see that just happen at least once. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, our friend Spyro uh, in the Netherlands plays Garuda. That's like his favorite deck, and he plays it all the time. So I may have to like try and figure that out and slot that in there somehow. <laughs> uh, I played. I played a couple times this week. I played. Um, I went to the shop, local shop uh, Sunday Card Addicts in Pelham, Alabama. Shout out. Um, and I played a couple of games, and then uh, I know I played with Hubert, and I played with a couple other people. 
Um, and those are fun. There was just a, a lot going on. There's some other card game tournaments there. So it was just a little bit overwhelming. So I ended up leaving a little early. Um, and then I played virtually. And I've been running my same three three decks. So uh, I built a couple of different ones so I could have some uh, varying matches going forward. And uh, it actually ties directly into the topic today, which is power levels. Um so we want to talk about our takes on power levels and the scale that people use or the different methods people use, as well as discuss our decks that we currently have and what we think they are on the power level scale. So uh, I guess without any further ado, uh, I, I'll start with Matt. Matt, what is power level to you and EDH? So power level to me is uh, it's basically uh, a, typically it's a 1 through 10 scale that uh, is self-assigned and uh, it's very discretionary. It's very it's very open to interpretation. And it's basically a number that you give your deck and that is that number is supposed to be representative of how fast your deck wins or how basically how powerful it is in terms of how quickly it can win the game or effectively win the game like you see with uh, prison decks um so with prison decks typically the longer the game goes and the more they're able to play their things the more likely they are going to win um and one through two is typically associated with uh, quote-unquote jank and uh, that can be anywhere from someone just got into a bulk box and decided to uh, build a deck with whatever cards they found uh, or it could be something like you know we want to make a theme deck around uh, I know a popular one is chairs like people like to sometimes make decks out of uh, all all the arts on the cards to pick chairs in some way um that's a that's another kind of funny it's a funny deck it's not really considered to be good it's just kind of one that you make for fun uh three through four i've heard as being called a focused um this is more when you're when you have an idea of a theme that you want to go with but you're still not um actively seeking out like the best cards to go in it like i i would consider this to be like an insect deck or a uh, a, a snake deck like it, they're they're still themey but they can be they can be be good in their own regards um let's see three through four f five through six is uh optimized is how I would consider that to be. Uh, that is, it, they're still kind of themey, but they have um, more, way more um, optimized. I guess is is the only way to describe it. Like you probably see a lot more removal, some more card draw, some of the more common facets of the higher end EDH decks out there. And then above that, we have uh, seven through eight. And this is the sweet spot where I feel like a lot of people's decks fall into. I feel like a lot of, most of our decks probably fall into this level. Um, I think, Brandon, you actually put this one best, where this, is, this would be considered casually competitive, uh, where we have, you're still wanting to win, but uh, you're wanting to win probably, to, to quote David, to quote... Uh, McDarby from Star City Games. You want to win 
about 70% of the time. You, you're, you want to win your games, but you don't want to go out of your way and completely build your deck in a way that, that it's only supposed to win all the time. And then, and then you go up to 9 and 10, which are basically reserved for CEDH, which is you want to do one thing, you want to be really good at it, and you want to do it as quickly as possible. And I think that's about the... That's a fair analysis of the power scale as I interpret it as. Yeah, I think um, I think that's something that we've heard a lot of different sources and people use that scale. And I think general, generally that's a good scale. The problem, at least that I see with that, is it's, like you said a minute ago, it's completely subjective. So, like, someone can say, oh, it, it's either they could say it's a 7 or an 8 and it's really lower than that. And so everyone else plays what they believe to be seven and eights, or someone could say, oh, it's really a, a five, for example, and then it can really be an eight. You know what I mean? So that's the inherent issue that I see with it. With it, It's so subjective, it's really hard to nail exactly on the head. Whether you're overestimating or underestimating, you could be completely doing it on accident. I mean, you know, there's no way to really know. I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Um, so... I actually like despise like the numbers so much because like like you said it's very subjective and and it really just like makes me think of like Dragon Ball Z like we we all know the famous quote of Vegeta being like his power levels over 9000 right <laughs> okay but before that we saw Farmer with a shotgun who had a power level of 5 so we know Farmer with a shotgun can't run with Goku but farmer with a shotgun compared to any other human probably can bang. Like he probably throw hands to anybody but Goku. Like so it's just like okay, you kind of have to. And I really like the words, right? Like I, I love like competitive, optimized, focused, casual, jank. Um, that gives me a better idea than the numbers. I feel. Um, I, I do think all of my decks. Well, most of them sit in optimized range where it's just like, okay, well, I'm trying to do the best I can do, but I'm not trying to do it as fast, right? And that's what I think the power level is a measure of. It's just like uh, like how you're trying to win and how fast you're trying to win, right? Um, also, consistency. How often can you win like that? Because um, that's where those tutors and stuff come in. And that's kind of just where I'm at on like the power level thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I like the words. I'm with you on that for sure. I like the words a, a lot better. Um, one of our friends uh, at our local game store, his name is Blair, uh, he posted in a uh, Magic uh, EDH group that we're in, uh, and he referenced the professor's video, uh, and it was talking about what does Blair typically want in a game of Commander. And so, you know, for him, he wanted longer games. He wanted optimal but fun games. He wanted, you know, games that he didn't want to play against Mana Denial or Chaos decks. Uh, and he, he liked strategy slash payoff commanders. And so everyone was kind of mentioning what their preferences were. But I like, like, his points in that post. Like, I prefer longer games because it's fun. I mean, the, the aspect of playing the game is fun, especially when they're swingy and, you know, you're in it uh, and not someone's not totally out of the game. Um, and I do like optimal games. I don't like... 
just crazy nombos and stuff going off. But I, I do like those optimal games that are long, fun, and honestly, you're, you're trying your hardest to stay in it and, and win. Those are my favorite kind of games. What about y'all? I I would say that the I I'm, I definitely don't fall into the camp of like let's get this over as quickly as possible. Um, CEDH level. Um, I do think that more often than not, um, I prefer quicker games only in the fact that I want everybody to be actively trying to win. And what I mean by that is, like, I don't... I've played so many games, like, I've gone... Like, there have been days where I've gone to a shop, and uh, I've gone there, sat down at a table, and I've played, and, like, three, four hours go by... And I've played two games because nobody has like tried to win. Like I think everybody, I think it's it's a tendency. Some people don't want to like, you know, quote unquote, bully other people by attacking them first or comboing off. You know, that's a very typical line you hear at the start of games. Like, oh, I promise, there's no combos in this. And I used to be one of those people that I I hated the idea of playing against combo. But as I've gotten to appreciate the game more. I, I don't mind it that there are combos in people's decks, and if they're able to do their thing, it's like, okay, cool. I have a chance to, you know, shuffle my deck up and try to play again. And um, I think that I think my optimal range for the length of a game is probably in the I, I like I like thirty to forty minute games. I think that that's that's where. Typically, everybody gets to do what they want to do with their deck in that in that period of time. But at the same time, it's not an insane amount of time to where you can only get in like only one game. You know, you can spend an afternoon playing the games of that level and get like you know six or seven games in. Like it, it, it it's, you can get a lot more playing in that way. That's just my preference, anyway. Yeah, I, I definitely, that, I actually agree with you there for sure. Like, I like the 30 to 45 minute range. I want all the decks to do their thing. I want it, I mean, everybody should actively try to win. And the one take that I'll say about the, oh, I don't want to attack, that, that is one of my biggest pet peeves is when people roll dice to see who they're going to attack. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, well, it's the first attack. Like, I don't want to just, I'm like, man, you got to call your shot. Like, just go after somebody and attack them. <laughs> like, that's that's swing my that take. secure a tri-builder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... dude, swing Steve at him, bro. Send a message. But, like, I just don't like rolling dice to, to see who you're going to attack first because you want to, like, I don't want to make enemies. Just attack someone. If you don't, if you roll dice to not attack or to attack somebody, like, I'm going to attack you on my next turn if I can. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, that kind of just boils down into, like, while we're playing the game, right? Because I, I kind of had that happen the other day where it was just like, uh, I'll swing at you for, you know, whatever. And then somebody was just like, you, if you do that, you'll make an enemy. And I'm like, but we're already enemies. We're, we're in this yep. game against each other, so. Yeah, people get caught up so hard into the the, pol- the politics of, of um, Commander. And I, I like... To a certain degree, yes. Like, you know, you'll have... It always happens. You'll have those interactions where somebody's like, hey, if you don't swing at me, I'll do this next turn. Like, that's normal. That's that's a normal part of Commander. But, like, I feel like people try to subconsciously 
be too political by doing what you're saying of like quote unquote creating an enemy by attacking them but i mean it's just like what you said bert like i mean we are playing a game a format well i mean magic in general it's a game where there's always going to be one winner and there's going to be one to three or however big your pot is losers like that's just how it is so i mean there's no use trying to play in a way that's denying that's going to be the inevitability of it yeah i kind of just look at it like like this like the progression of the game should not be held up by politics the game should always be progressing right totally Uh, agree so something needs to be happening and politics shouldn't be holding that back so you should be attacking the best attacks you can make right now if it's a bad attack that's different that's a whole nother animal but you really just want to be doing the best plays or the less best plays if you're trying to make a deal it's just like oh don't swing at me it's just like okay well you know i won't this turn because i need help getting rid of that so i can progress my my board state next turn you know kind of just like that yeah yeah i I agree with that i think there is definitely a thing uh that is over politicking for sure um and then there's definitely you know and then and i've had to mature my mindset on that a little bit because when i uh, first started playing EDH and everything, like I had a no politic mentality. Like if anybody wanted to say, I'll do this for this, I'll, I was like, nope, absolutely not. Uh, and then as I played more, like some some games, it's just part of it. I mean, I've since then definitely made deals before in, in games, but um, yeah, I mean, if, there's, if you're doing it because you want a politic and there's really no benefit for anybody, like there, that's definitely happened before as well. But um yeah, I like what you said. Like the game should always be progressing forward, um, and I think a lot of that, you know, comes down to power level and the rule zero conversation that has to come um, before the game. That way, you can talk about what what is your deck trying to do? When is it trying to win by? What's the you know? You don't have to divulge the entire deck strategy, but you should you know say, hey, I, I kind of want to win by this turn. That's why that's when I look to win on average. I have to give somebody a deck list before the game start. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it, it comes down to rule zero and, uh, and discussing. And, and there are some commanders, like I have one, which is Zer, where everybody sees Zer and they're automatically like, Oh God, uh, it's going to be doomsday mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, it's not, it's a whole different kind of Zer, uh, but there are some commanders that, that you have to have a rule zero conversation about. Otherwise, you'll just get hated out from the get-go. Right. Though I will say, like, sometimes you just have to eat it on those. Um, because people won't believe you, right? Until they actually start seeing the cards that you play. True. Because it's subjective. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's just like, I don't know. I don't believe you. So I'm going to swing at you. Um, like, even when I was trying to play, like, my card card deck, that never worked out really. It ended up being not as good as I thought it was, but everybody would be like, oh, he's playing Kai Kai, he's about to combo off, like, go ahead and attack him, and I'm just like, no, dude, I'm just trying to make tokens, trying to make spirits. (laughs) Spirit tribal. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's not Storm. Yeah, I think this is is definitely, it's weird to, to say this, I think this is arguably the most complex issue when it comes to commander is is just trying to get to a point where you can enjoy the game with other people and, uh-huh. and that it's it's so 
it's so funny that this is the biggest, probably the biggest hang up on mm-hmm. on it all. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because I really, I'm just like, I want to play. I, I hate talking about power level because I can tell you every card in my deck, and that still doesn't tell you how strong my deck is. Like, because at the end of the day, it's it's also how you play too, right? Um, one of the things that I was famous for doing when we when I first started playing was like sandbagging, like. A lot of times there would be plays that I could make that would benefit me that I just wouldn't do because it would make somebody else feel bad or to make the game won't go longer. But I mean, you got to put that aside and just play the game. Yeah, that yeah, that is actually a really good thing that I don't think I ever realized was sure it comes down to the cards that you're playing, right? It comes down to the synergies in your deck, but it also does come down to how you play in your. Just the the play style that you that you use when you play Magic. That's a really good point. That uh, you know, there are some decks where they also have amazing cards, and you're kind of like, oh god. But then there's no synergy. You know what I mean? So, like it's it's just it's just hard. But I think the best way to do it, like you said, I agree with you, is just hop in the game. Like, I mean, it, there there is definitely a way to know if someone's playing CEDH and you're not. You know what I mean? Like. Like, that's why I like the question, like, how how soon are you trying to win? Because if they say, like, turn two or three, uh, then, uh, yeah, I can't compete with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that conversation, you don't have to go too in-depth with it, but I definitely say, like, hey, when are you trying to win by? Okay, cool. You know, I have an optimized deck, uh, and, and then you just jam games, and then, you know, you may never play with that person again, and you might, and then they'll start to get to know your deck, and they'll start to know a little bit more about it too. But power levels are so subjective, and that's the tricky part. And I think that um, people have been trying to narrow it down to a certain list for so long, but mm-hmm. I mean, no list will ever really hit it on the head. And, and we do have to remember that the the reason we're doing the power level thing is is so that there are no feels bad in in, in playing. Right? I want to be playing at the same level as you're playing so i just want to be able to like if you're ramping i'm ramping i want to be able to interact with you i I don't want to feel left behind because my deck because i'm playing my elite vanguard on turn one and then my eastern maru on turn two like that feels bad when moldroth is out on turn three right right Mm -hmm. yeah and and there are certain you know then there's just like, for example, I would say my deck, one of my decks, which is Thrasios Kodama, Lands Matter, I would say that's probably an optimized deck. I like to ramp as fast as I can in the beginning and set up and then drop Kodama as fast as I can and just start the value engine and go until I either get stopped or run out of cards. You know what I mean? Like, I just like to go as fast as I can and there's, uh, there's stuff I put in there that are synergistic to get me on that route. So I like to think that one's optimized. However, if, you know, I don't want to play it for against, like, someone with a barely upgraded pre-con, you know what I mean? Like, if it's not completely upgraded or they're not, or maybe it is just a pre-con for my enjoyment and their (laughs) their enjoyment as well. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, uh... I think that actually does kind of kind of take us to the the next point we we wanted to cover is like have you in either of y'all had any firsthand exposure to a uh, well I mean I'm sure you have I guess maybe just ex- give an example of that of where 
there was a miscommunication and how was it resolved or what did it result in that was born out of everybody at the table having more competitive decks and some than one person who had a who came who, like a new person who didn't have a competitive deck or vice versa kind of like that hmm uh, I've had it where I've had it to where I, I'll say I get asked this a, a lot, especially playing virtually now with new people all the time. It's like someone will ask, "Okay, so what's the power level like?" And you know, I'll be like, "Well, mine's pretty op, you know, mine's optimized. Like, you know, I like to go fast with lands uh, or like ramp or do whatever. I'm pretty transparent with what I do." And then there will be people that will be like, "Well, mine's like mine's like a four, but like I want to play against." Mm-hmm. higher power decks i'm like i mean you know and then everybody else is like well i'm optimized and i'm like hey man are you sure you want to play that deck because we're all pretty pretty synergistic and know what we want to do and he's like yeah i just want yeah i'm fine with it like i'm i'm down to, to just try out the deck or against higher power decks or whatever and like i understand that and like that is a rule zero conversation so he knows or they know what they're getting into we know what we're getting into but also like mm-hmm. I also like to play against similar decks. So if that's the case, I recently I actually was like, hey man, do you mind playing something that's, if you have something that's more optimized, do you mind playing that? Or I can maybe try and switch to something that's not as optimized if everybody else will as well. So like you just got to communicate because I don't want to play at a power disparity like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, if they're willing to play at a power disparity, you probably just, just play that first game and see how it goes because it, it might be for a reason. I don't know, it might be some weird card they're trying to get out against uh, a specific card or something like that that they know is played in a more optimized decks and stuff like that. That's a good point, yeah. But um, I don't, I don't know, because even trying to be considerate, like I remember there there was a pot and we asked what the power level was and everybody was just like, oh, well, this is a five or a six. And so I was playing, I, I initially had on my Titania deck, which I, I feel like is definitely optimized. I picked up my cradle I, I feel like i have all the ramp all the things that i need and i was just like well i don't feel comfortable playing titania against like you know five and sixes so i'm actually going to switch decks and so i switched to my Thalese deck which is just like you know where's our tokens and once the game got started i was just like okay this isn't what i thought um no oh, that's a guy's cradle Oh, okay, that's a growing right at lock. So that's two Gaia's Cradles. Okay, this is awkward. Um, and so it really, I, I really did not have a fun time that game. Yeah, just because of the miscommunication or misrepresentation, mm-hmm. whether it be purposeful or not. Yeah, no, that definitely wasn't wasn't purposeful. I, I really think they think that their deck was a five or a six, but that just comes back to the deck, like to the numbers being subjective, right? Um, cause that had he said it like there was a guy's cradle in my deck, it was like, oh, there's a guy's cradle in Titania too, so th- this is perfect. Yeah, Matt, what about you? Um, well, this is, I I feel like this is one of my points in my in my notes actually is like I feel like the power level discussion um, becomes more and more relevant if you're actively seeking out new pods of people to play with like mm-hmm. i know with with, yeah. with me um with, with me and my group of my, my play group that i typically play with i, I play with a, 
about a roster of like um, I would say like six to eight different people or like I, I kind of cycle through them and the more familiar with you become with each other the more you start to realize you know oh hey this is their powerful deck this is their um, less powerful deck and we kind of un like maybe subconsciously match power levels with one another so I, I feel like this becomes more of a discussion if you're playing with strangers because that's where I feel like a lot of the uh, discrepancies arise from is because you're not as well versed with somebody as you thought they were they're you know I mean we've we've say I mean we've already stated this you know they their three is your six you know or, or some something similar to that um, so I haven't really found that much of a problem with it and even if I did even if like you know we play one game and the CEDH player, you know, or the, the, you know, quote, like the person who's basically playing CDH but didn't want to let that on, you know, combos off on turn two or turn three, I'm like, okay, cool, well, I'll, I'll just play my other deck, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't really get, I don't really get bent out of shape about it, I'm just like, oh, okay, we're, we want to play that, then, and then usually everybody at the table, at the table follows suit. Mm-hmm. That's just uh, basically I- been my exposure to it anyway. I don't even have, I don't have a problem asking to not play against a deck either. And if they don't have a deck, I mean that's also fine. It, it, then we probably just wouldn't play again. Um, because the point is for me to have like we're all adults. Um, we play EDH Commander in our spare time to have fun, um, to decompress. So we don't want like we don't want to sit down and not play Magic, right? That that's what it boils down. Um, Gavin Verhey says, "Be excellent to each other," and that's kind of how I try to go into every game. Where I, I want everybody to do their thing. Um, I'm gonna try my best to win, but it's not gonna be at the cost of anyone else. I think that also, like, I mean, even if you spend, you know, a Friday night or Saturday night playing EDH, and even if every game you play is like, you know to some higher level of competitives than you're used to, you still, you know, hung out with your friends and played Magic. Like, I mean, it's it's still not a bad, bad experience, all in all. Yeah, I think there's definitely two... There's two ways that I think a lot of us look at it, right? Like, there's... For me, for example, you know, I want to hang out have a good time i want to play my deck i love playing magic even if it's for nothing else other than how therapeutic it is just to put cards on to your play mat tap them and i don't know something about it right so i i love playing the game however i my issues come when people uh and you never know for sure, right? Because it is so subjective. But there are people that definitely undersell their decks on purpose. There are people that that get joy, I guess, if that's what it is, just from, you know, coming into a game and just pub stomping and absolutely decimating everybody else. And 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 uh, and like I just don't like playing with those people. I have no problem saying I don't want to play another game. You know what I mean? If if I feel like they have purposefully undersold what their deck is looking to do. Like if we have the rule zero conversation, if we don't, that's on me. And you know what I mean? Uh, 
But if we do and they say, oh, it's it's not great, you know what I mean? Um, or if they don't reveal their commander until you've already shuffled up and drawn your seven, and you know what I mean? They're on, Especially on spell table, people, you know, you can put your commander up there. And I have actually played a game where somebody literally, literally did not reveal their commander until we had already started. And it wasn't like a whoops, I forgot to add it in there. You know what I mean? It was like a... Oh well, I just didn't want this deck to get hated out from the get go, and the commander was uh, a new scary commander, also known as the God of Fright. And mm. I would have had no problem if they were up front and said, "Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my commander." I would have probably played a different deck because I was playing wheels into a tier grid deck. But yeah. uh, but there's just you know I have an issue when people purposely hide what they're trying to do or undersell their deck just to pub stomp. Yeah. And I know that's like few and far between. Like not everybody's trying to pub stomp and and get the I I don't know what they get out of it. But um I, I do understand that there are definitely some people that do that. Um and basically they they don't sit with us. Like um in Commander you have every right. It's it's a social contract. Like if you don't enjoy playing against that deck, you just be like, hey, I don't really like playing against that deck. Um do you have anything else? And if not. I mean, they probably you probably want either you um, probably want to give to another table because that kind of avoids more feel bads of having a move, right? Or or you just want to <laughs> figure something out. Exactly, exactly. That that actually kind of transitions to another question I was wanting to to pose that we talked very briefly on before the show. But um, going back to the professor's video that he posted on Power Levels, the premise of it seemed to take the assumption that all the players watching it or listening to it had multiple decks at their disposal of that had different archetypes that they had built as well as different power levels. You know, that w- that seemed to be the main um, the main agreed upon premise of it was that people already had different power level decks at their disposal so my question is because i used to fall into this camp uh when i first got into it where does that put someone who has just one deck and you know it does and and let's let's for the sake of argument i guess let's just say it can be either you know hyper competitive it's it's one op it's one it's it can be at either end of the spectrum. Like it's either just a casual thrown together deck, um, or it's a hyper competitive deck. I feel like you're going to have more problems when it's a hyper competitive deck, and they only have one of it. Um, does that just kind of put them out of the game if they don't have other decks at their disposal and maybe their pod that they're trying to play with? doesn't have any extra decks like that that kind of presents a presents a problem um so i still think the talk is relevant right because even if you only have one deck i mean you know where that deck sits um so if it's if it's casual i mean like hey this is my casual deck you know can i play with you guys it's just like brandon was saying earlier like there was a guy who had a lower power deck and they were just like okay i want to play this against your higher power decks um so long as everybody is consenting in that pot um it should be fine uh but that the the consent is what's important important there yeah and 
I don't think anybody should ever be barred from playing a game of Commander if they only have one deck. I mean, Matt, you've been there. I mean, I've been there. I'm sure, I mean, we've all been there at some point. You know, I used to have just one deck, and it started off as a, a pre-con with a, some minor upgrades. So for a while, I was the lower-powered uh, deck at the table. And then the more I played with my LGS, people at my LGS, the more the... I started putting more cards in that up the power level and up the power level and uh, because that's just the nature of, of card addicts, commander community. But um, And eventually it became high, like I would say optimized, and, and it was still my only deck. So the problem lied, you know, if I were to go play with a whole new group, now my deck is the optimized one, whereas theirs might not be, but I only have one deck. And let's say if they don't have extras... No one should be barred from that. So I think that, you know, if you have the conversation and say, hey, I've only got this one deck um, and it is optimized about eight. And let's say the rest of the table says, well, I want to play something chill, like casual. So and they don't want to play against that deck, then unfortunately, you know what I mean? Like you can't force your way into the game. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't be like, oh, well, I'm going to sit down and play anyway. Because there is a social contract. And also, I mean, they can just up and leave the table. So if, you know, you just want to be as transparent as possible. Explain that this is your only deck. Explain that you don't have a lot of options. If and They may have decks that you can borrow. Maybe not in a time of a global pandemic. But uh, but I think, um, you know what I mean? I will never look down on someone that, that only has one deck. Specifically, especially due to financial reasons. Because Magic is an expensive hobby. And I'll try my best to match what they're trying to do and play with them for sure. And there, and there is a chance that may, maybe I maybe I am kind of creating like a very a very strange straw man with this, where you know someone who has only a CDH deck and doesn't. I feel like if you go to the trouble of building a CDH deck, you probably already have or at least should have a play group that you want to play that with because that's that that's a very niche part of the EDH community I would say so if you if you go to the trouble of having one you you should already at least know somebody else to play with I, I don't I, think I do want to kind of kind of reiterate what I was trying to say in, in that you, they they can still play like even if uh for example let's talk about me if I were to play in a game and people, I only had one deck, I only had my, I'm going to say optimized because I've never built CDH. I don't know anything about it. Um, I only have my optimized deck, but I, my opponents, my three opponents are playing like the chair deck, the ladies looking left deck, and like uh, the alphabet deck. Oh, every card in it starts with a different letter combination or something Oh, I need like to build that, that one. <laughs> Oh, um, alphabet tribal that's hot yeah thought about that so i like i i would still play um but i know i said i don't sandbag earlier but that's to avoid feels bad in that game maybe you don't play the turn one soul ring maybe you don't ramp out as fast as possible maybe you kind of slow roll it to to kind of match the energy of the table right um, because that at the end of the day, that's all that we want is your energy to be matched, everybody to have a good time. And I, I just feel like there, there are ways that you can still do that and still have a more powerful deck. 
Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good point because you can totally. I mean, you can hang with overpowered tables if you have the common courtesy to say, okay, well they want to play with me and I only have this deck, so yeah, I'll just I'll play it a you know a little slower than I normally would. I think that's yeah, that's a really good idea. And uh, the, the play, I mean, play if if this is if any of y'all have any other closing points on that on that subject, you know, please stop me. But I was uh, just wanting that that kind of transitions to the other point that I wanted to uh, bring up, still kind of related to the power level dis- discussion um, that the professor brought up. He a direct quote from him about meta gaming your deck. Uh, or metagaming your playgroup or your store uh, is, this is a quote from him, changing your deck in a disingenuous way is a poor move and will more than likely make people not want to play with you again. Now, um, I actually uh, agree with metagaming uh, your playgroup or your store. However, there is a big asterisk next to that. Um like I'll, I'll I'll use my my first EDH deck, my Grand Arbiter deck, as as an example of this. When I first started playing EDH, and I um, had my one deck, my one Grand Arbiter deck. Um, I I mean it, it was known back then that there were more powerful decks and less powerful decks, and my default setup for Grand Arbiter was um, more of a um, you know, this sounds laughable to say, but it was more of a casual Grand Arbiter deck, you know, as if those <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> but uh, um, what I did uh, back then was I had a sideboard. Like, a, I had 10 or 12 sleeved uh, cards that, depending on the playgroup that I was playing with, I would, I would, you know, ask what everybody was playing and if if it was more of a um, casual group, I would be like, "Cool, I'm gonna swap out my combo pieces in my deck with these other cards in my sideboard." Air quotes. Uh, so I would have a more casual casual version of the deck that I was uh, that I originally had, so that it's more on that level. And I feel. I don't see that done as often now as it as it would have been done as it was back then, because I know a couple of friends as well who did something similar to that, where they just had cards they swapped in and out depending on the group they were playing with. Nowadays, I feel like people just build a different deck. I feel like it's because Commander is so widely played and there's such readily available resources and even precons, you know, available to you. You could just easily just without expending mental energy, just buy or build a different deck. Um, but I feel like m- using a sideboard to kind of me- match power levels with who you're playing with, it's not really metagaming unless you're... I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Unless you're like directly going into your binder... And pulling out like, oh, you're you're playing with the three graveyard decks. Okay, I'm gonna go into my binder and swap out cards 
uh, bring in my rest in peace, my ley line of the void, and my graph diggers. Like, that's shitty. Like, I don't, I, I don't think you should, you should do that. But, I mean, I think that if you want to have, like, a set of cards that you can bring in and out, depending on your group that you're playing with, I think that's a perfectly reasonable exchange to have one deck. You can have your one you know, competitive deck, but also have it be able to be flexible to be played with multiple play groups. That's just something that I've done before, and I just wanted to see if maybe y'all had done something similar before or had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think metagaming is, yeah, I think the way that you put it for sure, like, if you know, okay, hey, I know... I know Matt and I know Bert and I know their decks because we played so much together. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Like, oh, they're playing that deck? Well, then I'm going to go at, let me swap some cards out real quick. Yeah, absolutely don't do that. I mean, that's never happened to me, thank goodness. But I would just kind of like not want to play. Like, that's just, I think, you know, that that is almost like, you know, we, we're not CEDH players. The people I play with, you know, we're not playing a CEDH game. And like, I understand, like, everybody wants to win, right? Like, winning feels good. Like, hey, your deck did its thing, and it, and it won. However, like, there's a, for me at least, there's a different feeling winning with how my deck wants to work the one way that I built it versus having to slot in other cards against other strategies. You know what I mean? To, like, try and win. And it's just a little bit, that's just a little try hard, and I, I, I just don't, I don't vibe with that. So I agree with you on that point. I do like the idea of having some cards that you can swap in to make your deck more chill. You know what I mean? Like, if you're playing against lower-powered decks, I like that idea. But also, like, it ties in with what Bert said about kind of being able to sandbag as well. And and, uh, just to clarify, maybe, like, just to give you... Maybe I was a little bit vague with, like, the cards that I had in my, you know, quote-unquote sideboard. Like, just for an example of what I would be doing... I, w- I didn't have, like, any, like, graveyard hate or storm hate or anything in my sideboard. Like, if, if I was playing, if I sat down with a casual group, I would take out my Helm of Obedience and replace it with Drog Skull Reaver. Or, you know, something something more lo- along those lines. Like, just yeah. taking yeah. out, yeah, replacing them with watered-down threats, basically. Well, I like that approach, too. I think that's a good approach as well. Yeah, and I think the with the quote, I think the important part of it is the disingenuous play. Um, so like changing cards like that is fine, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, for example, uh, kind of like the example Brandon gave earlier, where the person had the Tigger deck, but they didn't really really want to show it because, you know, it was Tigger. But right, yeah, I agree on that. But Brandon was playing wheels into that, right? Like, it, it, the disingenuous comes in of being like, oh, say Brandon was playing. Brandon, why do all your card, why do all your decks discard cards? Um, I was gonna say you were playing real, <laughs> but you still discard a lot of cards. <laughs> Let's say you were playing real at the beginning, and then you're just like, oh, you're playing target. Oh, you know what would be fun if every if I make everybody wheel everything out of their hands. Right. Um. That, that's kind of the way to 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 change your deck to make for a poor game experience is kind of what I'm getting off of the quote that the professor gave. Um, okay, that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, gotcha. 
Because I do think, like, yeah, for example, like, what if, okay, let's say I'm playing with this person, they're playing tier grid, and I'm like, you know what, yeah, let's play, yeah, I'll play my discard deck. Yeah, I'll play my wheelless deck. Like, let's try and make this as miserable for everybody else as possible. That's almost like king-making for the tier grid player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, I don't know, like, that's just, a, that's just a bad mentality as well. But, yeah, like, I think definitely, like, going out of your way to, like, try and, like, be spiky with with metagaming um is it's just it's just shitty but like the way matt said it with trying to you know kind of go down like let's say your deck's optimized and you want to play on a lower level because other people are i think having that sideboard and metagaming in that way is 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 good because it's it's letting especially especially if they're newer players and all they have let's say all they have are pre-cons that they threw a couple new cards in like, then you can, like, change your deck, kind of like how Matt was describing it, and make it a lower-powered, um, but still fun for you to pilot. And you're playing against these newer players, for example. They get to have a good Magic experience, and you still get to play your deck and have a good experience. And uh, I think that's a, like that's a good idea for that. But metagaming in the opposite way is where we have the issues. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, that, that, that was... Um... I, I just feel like that's one way when I first got into mag in, into EDH I should say that really helped me um, basically be able to play with a lot more groups than I would have been able to um, and I just haven't really heard anybody talking about doing anything like that in in the EDH community and I was just wanting to share that because I feel like by me doing that, it, it helped open me up to a lot more games than I wouldn't have been able to play. Um, granted, I mean, now, you know, if I sat down with Grand Arbiter, you know, that that it, it, people would basically <laughs> know <laughs> what, know that, no, there's no way you can play fun Grand Arbiter. Um, one way that I kind of did, kind of what you are saying, like, you know, how... Having a low, like, his power level, like, I've come to this new mindset where I want to have a good spread of decks. And I know Bert mentioned this last week uh, where he said, I've got 10 decks. I've got optimized, not so optimized, and I have my fun casual decks. Like, you you have a, a wide spectrum. So I've kind of come to that mindset where I've got my optimized decks. And to me, my optimized decks are Thrasios, Kadama, and Zer. I think Marielle is not optimized, but she's probably like, you know, that that um, that level right below. And then I want to build more decks that are more chill. So, for example, I just built uh, Mono White Human Tribal with Rick, Steadfast Leader at the helm. <laughs> so, uh, it's Mono White, so I'm already at a disadvantage. It's Human Tribal, which e- is even harder, right? And then... Uh, I did not choose to get, like, super great cards. Like, I don't have an Elish Norn, which is, in and of itself, is whatever. But, like, I don't have anything crazy. It's just human tribal. Like, I just want to play my humans and swing at people. And uh, and so, like, that's my chill, like, deck that's just there to play lower-powered decks. And then I have this... Okay, this is another commander. I have a bad habit of building commanders that seem really scary until you play against them, like Zur. <laughs> I built Chulane... <laughs> Uh, because Tulane is so much fun. Like, my favorite things in Magic are 
drawing cards and playing lands and playing creature. I think everything uh, that everybody <laughs> else loves, but Chulane is the most busted dude. Like, why did they print that card? I'll never understand. But I built a Chulane deck and I tried to make it as close to Druid Tribal <laughs> as possible. So it's like chill. Like, I don't have any combos or anything. Like, I just want to play lands, draw cards. That's all I want to do. Um, but you know, it's one of those decks where if you see it, you're kind of like, oh, it's too lame. But, uh, but he's probably my, like my real level, like maybe a little bit lower than real. Okay. That way I have a wide spectrum of decks. Cause I, I, I love having like three decks. I'm very happy that I have three. It's a great number, but, uh, I like having a little bit more option. That way I can just play anything that I'm feeling at any given time. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, kind of, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I was I, my finger slipped when I was trying to unmute myself. So <laughs> I was talking for a minute without with, with I was just talking to myself for a second. Um, I I agree. Um, I went through a uh, very recently actually when I when I just recently got back into EDH. I tried to um, keep a strict power level adhering group of decks together like i had one um pre-con deck that i had literally just opened and sleeved up and i was going to have that be my casual deck and um then i had wanderer which was my more competitive deck and then i had one that was like in between those and um i i just remember like i think that was about the time that i discovered that i really didn't care for the lower power, uh, basically lower power games. Um, that was where I, I feel like I discovered that, Hey, I don't really want to have like a level three or four deck on me because I find that I get the most enjoyment out of playing with other, uh, six to eight and nine level decks. And, um, that's just a that that was just some a form of self discovery that I found in terms of power level is like I don't really adhere to it strictly where I have decks that span across the power level spectrum just because it's not something that I really enjoy. Yeah, and I think I think that's another thing that you got to take into consideration. I think you also got to be fair to yourself. You know, this is a game, a hobby that you play because you enjoy it. So if you don't enjoy playing lower level or lower uh, power level games, then you know what I mean? Like that, Hey, that's, that's what you want to do. That's what you need to do. Um, yeah. You know, I, I agree with that. I think, I think part of it for me um, was not, it was definitely the power levels in my mind when I built these other two, but also, um, I like, I've gotten to the point where I want to start giving myself more deck building challenges versus just putting value in certain colors together with some synergy. Um, so for example, like I love, I mean, I know <laughs> we didn't touch on it on purpose, but the walking dead, uh, secret lair, right. You know, we, we have our opinions on that. However, I am a big fan of the walking dead and I wanted to, build a, a mono white deck for a long time because mono white uh, is i mean i don't even think it's arguably at, at this point i think it's legitimately the worst or the weakest color um 
and I, I wanted to build off of that and have just a deck that's fun to play and I happen to just put that one together um, but I think I want to start building different ideas for decks so like I want to build uh, a gumball deck you know where every card is like outside of the commander is under 25 cents you know what I mean like something like that that I want to try and make it as powerful as I can with that limitation on it just to see what I can do. Like, I'm kind of in that realm now because during COVID and quarantine, I've done nothing but brew decks over and over and over again. So having limitations has resulted in me having lower powered decks, which is kind of a, a good benefit, especially when we're talking about it on the podcast. But um, I don't know. And that, that's probably partially why I did it was I just want to give myself these challenges. Like, have y'all built any decks with a, a limitation like that before? I know that um, our, me and uh, a group of friends did a, actually this, this Christmas, we did a uh, $100 um, deck challenge, basically, where you built a commander deck for another person, and your limit outside of your commander was $100 for the entire deck. And I thought that was really fun. Um, I think a lot of budget budget based constraints are um, I, I guess like a lot of budget challenge decks where you have to build it in with under under a certain amount of money. I think that those are a lot of fun and um, what I actually ended up building was Zedru the Great Hearted and that was a lot of fun to kind of brew up a, uh, <laughs> A list. I always, I also thought that was the most appropriate for Christmas oh, as well, because you, sure. you're given, given away mm-hmm. stuff. Um, that was also actually how I found out about the interaction with nine lives in Zedru, because you just <laughs> give away, <laughs> you just give it, away, give it away to somebody, and let them lose with it. So that 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 was really funny. Um, but no, that that's the only one that I can think of that I've participated in, and I do agree that those present different challenges that kind of help spark creativity and incentivize uh, brewing. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think cool challenges like that are a lot of a lot of fun, like the gumball deck, for example, or I know uh, I didn't do it this past Christmas, but this upcoming Christmas, I want to build like a Christmas deck, so a gruel deck. <laughs> uh <laughs> basically but like fun stuff like that i know we're not even in the power level discussion at this point but we're wrapping up the show anyway so mm-hmm. might as well have some fun conversation but i think deck limitations are fun i'm gonna do a gumball deck and try and see if how much i can break it uh my commander will be any amount but then the cards under it will be 25 cents so uh we'll see how that goes build okay uh, this is my proposal build angus mckenzie but everything else in the deck is 25 cents oh my gosh bro <laughs> you, you want to talk about being bougie that would be so that sick. is so bougie dude like 25 <laughs> cent so... angus mckenzie oh my gosh budget angus mckenzie there you All go right. yeah the only limitation i've built with lately is uh i built like a chainer deck and the, the least deck i have uh, both of those are only built with cards that I have at home, um, which ended up not being like the biggest restriction. But hey, it gets a lot of the cards that I had just sitting around into a deck, which is kind of how I want it. 
Yeah, when you have a, a good collection like you do, it's uh, like, oh, look, this deck is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to do the Gumball Challenge. If anybody listening wants to do the Gumball Challenge, do it, and I will play my Gumball deck against your Gumball deck on Spell Table, I promise you. That'd be so much fun. Try and break it, though. Like Try and make it as busted as you can. <laughs> like Disregard the whole power level thing, because it's under 25 cents a card. Let me get Come on. Um, but uh, I think this has been a really good conversation about power level. I know, like I said, this whole episode, the, the main word has been subjective, because all of our opinions on this show about power level are subjective. Uh, power levels are subjective. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. But at the end of the day... Just be considerate of other people. Make sure you try and accurately represent your decks as best you can. Make sure you have a rule zero conversation, especially when you're playing with new people virtually or in person. That way everyone can have a good time. I think that's the bottom line. Um, so anybody else have anything they want to add on to that part of power levels before we move into a little bit more fun stuff and wrap it up? Uh, no, I'm good. Yeah, no. I, I feel like I mean, as I mean, you you put it best. Just just communicate with your with your pod that you're wanting to play with. Be upfront, and uh, just just don't be one of those people that uh, that tries to misrepresent their deck just to get a free win in to a thing that literally has no you know monetary or prize value of winning. Not that that's an excuse, but. Uh, you know, there's really not a reason to <laughs> misrepresent your deck just to get a win out of a EDH pod. Right, and and don't forget what TLC said, and that is they don't want no scrub. The scrub is a guy that can't get no love. So don't be a scrub. Be considerate. Oh, bro, I was trying to relate that to waterfalls. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> even think about that. I was. Oh man, I, I do don't love waterfalls. Don't play EDH next next to don't play EDH next to running water. I guess that's a that's a fair point. Uh, um, Stick to the commanders that you're used to. <laughs> oh man, we're about to remix this. We're gonna about to drop a TLC uh, cover album. Uh, uh, but anyway, so Bert, you, you want to talk uh, for a quick second about what you set up for us today before we start recording? Oh wow, yeah, sure. Um, a little bit earlier, I set up a Twitch for us, um, where we should be able to stream some Live Commander games soon. Um, and I'm gonna look to get that set up pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we play a lot on Spell Table as it is. Like, might as well, uh, might as well record. It's kind of like how we started the podcast. So, uh. No, I'm excited. I think that'll be a lot of fun. We also, so we have a a Twitch, and it's Pod of 3 MTG. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes below. Um, Also, we have TikTok. So if you have a TikTok, which I think a lot of people do now, uh, you should give us a follow and interact with us on TikTok. I will also post that uh, in the show notes below. Um, We also have a Twitter, which uh, we're trying to grow. I am so bad at Twitter, so... Uh, I'm leaving that to more capable hands other than myself, but I will link it below. And we have a Facebook page, uh, which is Pod of Three MTG uh, on on Facebook, so you can search us up there and give us a like and communicate with us and tell us what you like about the podcast and and tell us what you don't like because we like to learn from uh, from different opinions so we can grow. Um, and then individually, we all have social media as well, uh, which as always I will link below. 
But I think now we'll use this time to shout out. Let's shout out like our favorite podcasts that we listen to that are EDH related. Uh, I'll start with myself. Um, uh, big shout out to CMDR Central. I actually just received, I'm a patron of theirs, and I just received my uh, Planeswalker cards in the mail today of Chris, Max, and Dana. So big shout out to CMDR Central. I love that podcast. Um, I love, I look forward to listening to them all the time. Uh, and they help me get through my work days, you know, very smoothly. So shout out and a big shout out as well to, uh, the commander sphere. Uh, they are so funny and crack me up immensely. So thank you so much, uh, to both those shows for everything you do for the community and for helping me just enjoy the game even more. Uh, what about y'all? Uh, mine has got to be the the command zone. Uh, Josh Lee Kwai and uh, Jimmy Wong definitely put out some really high quality content, both on YouTube and in their podcast that they do. And they actually just recently, just I think sometime this week or last week that I, I listened to today, uh, brought up the new template of building commander decks and. Uh, basically went over like the new uh, numbers that people should be looking at when they're including ramp and removal and their curve and just kind of gave like a breakdown of the the 2021 edition of where probably where your commander deck should be sitting at and uh, I thought it was really insightful and really interesting and uh Another podcast I listen to that's not entirely Commander related, but they do bring up Commander and touch on it in various episodes is the MTG Goldfish podcast with uh, Saffron Olive and um, uh, Krim and uh, gosh, I can't, I'm blanking out on on the other caster's name right now, uh, but they're Tomer and Seth. T- is that is that his name? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. The own yeah the owner of MTG goldfish mm-hmm. um but yeah no they're super duper funny and um always energetic and they always post on a monday too which is a uh, it really helps to have like that good energy at the start of the week which uh always is always something i look forward to so those are mine well i feel like i have like all the leftovers just kidding um <laughs> Commander Central was was one who I've been listening to for years, uh, like actual years at this point. Um, Commander Spear I love as well. Um, uh, Commander Social is one I don't think we talked about. It is uh, a Zach Taylor and Ryan Green, I believe, and they are hilarious and they do really good contact. Um, They do an MTG dad moment every episode and it's always wholesome but i believe that's it for me as well oh i can't i cannot forget to shout out my favorite canadians commander cookout Mm. brando ryan f you uh love (laughs) love their content man uh it's so great uh i mean we're just so lucky to have uh such an amazing community uh when it comes to being edh players and having so many great people um, that are doing podcasts that we can learn from. I mean, literally, it, it's just wonderful. Every day I have a new episode of something to watch, and uh, and I'm so thankful. It, it just makes the game just even better, you know, just having that mm-hmm. 
that ability to talk about it constantly and it never gets old. So, Oh, and uh, we also actually have to shout out the EDH Rec cast as well because uh, I believe they... Um, didn't someone follow us from... Yeah, Dana Roach. Yeah, Dana Roach. Yeah, but see, yeah. we already said CMDR Central, and we all know that EDH Rick is Dana's other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dana did follow us on Twitter. Thank you, Dana, so much. I mean, I think he's our. I think outside of, I think he's our only follower that's not us. <laughs> we are working on Twitter. I promise. He's but, the pioneer uh, of it. But uh, yeah, that that was really cool. Really cool moment. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dana, just between both podcasts in general. Yeah, if you're, if you're looking for it, definitely if you're looking for like the more analytical uh, numbers side of EDH, uh, the EDH Rec cast, and EDH Rec in general is a very good resource. They have a lot of really good nuggets of information on there as well. And since last week, since I learned about Scryfall, uh, yeah. I've used that every day this past week. So We, we need to talk about this song. <laughs> Uh, I think one thing, here's another thing we need to talk about. We're just going to add these to our ever-growing list of topics. Mm-hmm. Proxies. Mm-hmm. That's a big, you want to talk about a, you want to talk about a divisive uh, conversation. I think proxies will be it, but um, I'm yeah, excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about that. I'm interested we... to know y'all's opinions because I, I, I don't even think I, I think I could guess, but I don't know them, but we'll save that for another episode. Um, yeah. I kind of want to be in the dark on it as well and just go in it fresh. And just see what happens. Gloves might come off. Pot of three becomes pot of zero. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for the the likes uh, that we've been getting. The ratings on our podcasting platforms has been awesome. Uh, we thank you all so much for that. And if you don't mind, if you haven't followed us on a podcast uh, platform or given us a rating or review, doing so helps the podcast out tremendously and helps us with our visibility and helps us just know that what we're doing is something that you like. If you have any feedback that you want to leave, you can always reach out to us on our social media, which is linked below. Um, if you want to just play any games with us on Spell Table, hit us up below. Um, and, uh, and, and once again, thank you so much. Share this with a friend. Uh, let people know if you like what we're doing and, uh, and, and hopefully we can keep bringing you really cool content. And with that, I guess we'll wrap it up guys. I'm Brandon, uh, with pot of three. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Matt as well. Thank you so much for uh, sticking around. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday or rest of your Friday and your weekend. If you're, if you're listening to this on Friday. All right. And I'm Bert and I hope to see you all soon. Peace out y'all.